pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 127. Today I'm going to chat with Philip Patrick from Birch Gold Group, talk about ATF reclassifying another item, and discuss the new Savage Renegade. I am your host, Ava Flannell, and Philip, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, Ava. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, you know, one thing I want to talk about. So have you ever had uh, like a tracker on your phone that the insurance tracks so that you can get a better quote on your insurance? I have not, but it sounds interesting. Oh, so it's like the newest thing now where, you know, they'll, you'll download an app on your phone and then they can kind of track. I'm pretty sure they're probably like tracking to see if you're speeding or not, but they say that they're tracking just like how quickly you excel and, and stop. So I've been driving like an old lady and I swear this is going to get me in an accident because of this stupid app. And just last night, I was going to my my friend's house for dinner, so I brought a pie and a, um, a bottle of wine. The wine was on, you know, the passenger seat, and the pie was down below. And I had to stop short because I didn't want to run the red light. And sure enough, the wine hit the pie, and it's just, it's been a nightmare. So I'm really, I'm starting to rethink this whole thing and wonder if it's worth it. And I have to do it for three months. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I haven't heard of it. It sounds for me like a terrible idea, but good luck to you on that. It's, yeah, uh, like, yeah, honestly, I think driving slower is going to cause accidents. But, like, what do I have? You know, uh, it's just, yeah, it's so frustrating. All right. What's not frustrating, though, is Manicor Arms. I haven't really talked too much about the Venom Suppressor, which is sold by Ratworks. And it just came out, I'd say, within the last month. Actually, when this show comes out, it'll be the week of... Or no, actually, uh, SHOT Show would have already happened, so I'm pre-recording this show just in case in the event that I don't have time or I get sick because we all know everyone gets sick at SHOT Show. I'm hoping to see that at SHOT Show, and I know that Sven has other things that he's going to be coming out with at SHOT Show, so I'm really excited for that, and hopefully the next show I'll be able to talk about it. But if you, in the meantime, if you go to manicorearms.com, use the code GUNFUNNY15, you will get 15% off. Learn the things you never knew on Deconstructing the Industry. So what I'm doing today is definitely a lot different than what I'm used to doing. So you are not in the firearms industry. You actually mentioned that you just bought your first gun, but what you do is investments. And I thought that it would be perfect to have you on the show because, you know, obviously people have firearms in order to protect their family and themselves. You know, they plan accordingly, but I think that finances also kind of fall within, you know, protecting your family. So you have to be, you know, you have to be smart about it. You have to obviously have a savings just in case anything happens. And, and I know like, even as I get older, I'm kind of looking to see like, okay, well, what should I invest in? You know, what's going to help to get the most out of, you know, whatever money I put into the bank. And so that's why I wanted you to come on. Can you just tell listeners like what it is that you do and what company you're with? Uh, of course. And thanks for having us on, by the way. So, um, I work with Birch Gold Group. Uh, we are one of the largest physical precious metals companies here here in the United States. And we help, as, as you mentioned, we help 
uh, our customers protect and preserve wealth using physical, tangible precious metals, whether that's to take possession as part of a cash purchase or to place within a retirement account. But that, that's our area of expertise. And then what are some of the reasons why precious metals are considered such a stable and secure investment? I mean, the, the answer is, is probably track record, right? They have a, a thousands of years of, of track record. They've been used um, from biblical times up until today to secure buying power. Uh, and if you just look at them over longer periods of time, they, they, they perform at a secure and steady rate. So it's really geared towards wealth preservation. Importantly, and I'm, I'm sure we'll touch on this a little bit, in, in tough times, they can perf uh, perform particularly well. And I think, you know, to some degree, we have some tough times. So, I mean, I, I'm sure that most people by now know that even dollar bills are not backed by the gold standard. So essentially, I mean, it's paper. We add value to it, but it's not really, I mean, if something were to happen, we're just collecting paper. And so that's why it's, it's, you know, a lot of people think that it's better to, even like if you buy guns, a lot of guns are considered an investment, you know, things that are going to go up in value. I would assume that that's kind of the same thing with like precious metals because you have an actual like something physical to back it up. It's a good analogy that you make. And, you know, first of all, you're, when you refer to paper, all it is ultimately is an, is an IOU, right? It has mm -hmm. no in, intrinsic value. Commodities, and I, guns certainly would be a commodity like physical precious metals. They have intrinsic value and they tend to get more expensive over time. If you bought a gun in the 1950s, it's going to be at a much lower price than today because these things get more expensive. And it's a similar premise with precious metals. They're more tied to, to monetary systems, but the premise is the same for sure. And when you mention precious metals, what are some of the metals that you're talking about? We deal, I mean, with our firm, we deal with gold, silver, platinum, and palladium. So they would, those would be considered precious metals. Um, I would say the bulk of our business is focused on, on gold and silver. And I think for this climate, perhaps the most appropriate. Okay. So let's say that I have, um, I don't know, 50,000, which I don't, but let's say I have 50,000 that I want to invest. Can you just kind of guide me through the steps? Of course. So, um, first of all, our approach is, is always consultative. So I would say for, for you and, and your listeners, first thing you want to do is, is get some information and we supply information. I, I think you're going to sort of let your listeners know how they can do that, but we'll supply an information package, uh, that'll get really talk you through the basics. Uh, our account managers here are, uh, are here to guide people through the process from start to finish. So depending on where those funds are held, whether they're in cash or, or a retirement account, the process will vary. But what, what, I, what I would say is just give us a call and we can talk you through it. If you're buying in cash, you have the option to hold on to the physical asset so we can ship it to you. You can hold on to it. The idea is that it protects, it appreciates over time. And if you're ever looking to sell it back, we will be here. We, we like first right of refusal to buy any precious metals back. So we can buy and sell. Uh, with a retirement account, right, these funds have been put away. They're tax deferred. They're sitting in a retirement account. People have been building them over long periods of time. A lot of people are exposed to the stock market and things that, well, there are issues on the horizon. You have an option as an individual to roll over any portion of that account and you can move it out of essentially paper assets into something tangible. 
okay. we can help you through that process, like I said, from start to finish. Mm -hmm. So I, I took a, a finance class in college. I thought that that's what I wanted to get into. And then I actually did finance for a little bit for the New York Yankees. And that's when I realized I definitely don't want to do finance because I just kept looking at spreadsheets after spreadsheets and I could tell you exactly how many hot dogs were sold per game. And it just, it wasn't fun. But I did, when I took the finance class in college, you know, they tell you that it's really important to diversify. Do you think that that is the case if they are buying precious metals? Yeah, absolutely. I think what's the old saying? Don't put all of your eggs in one basket. Uh -huh. um, diversification is something that I think is very important. We would typically not recommend somebody take all of their eggs and, and like I said, put them in one basket. But mm -hmm. to take a portion and to say, hey, I want to hedge my positions. I want something that, hey, if one portion of my portfolio goes down, I've got this portion that will go up. And the idea is that it serves to mitigate losses. I think diversification is always a good idea. Yeah. I, I remember my uncle saying that he was buying gold and just keeping it, you know, as like an investment. And this was when I was a little younger, but I just kind of thought like, okay, you're paranoid. But now looking back and he's always, he's very successful and smart, but now looking back, I'm like, okay, that actually makes sense. But at the time I just thought, you know, they're, they're planning for, you know, whatever zombie apocalypse or something. Let's it's see. not really that. Look, precious metals are they're used by central governments to, to to shore up balance sheets. There's definitely somewhat of a stigma, right? The sort of prepper mindset. And, you know, in very tough times throughout history, gold and silver have been used as a means for barter and trade. So I think that's where the stigma comes from. Outside of that, that's not really what we look at as such. We look at it more as a defensive tool, right? When the stock market crashes, as an example, Often people will flood to what we call safe haven assets like gold and silver, and they tend to increase in value. If you look at 2008, the last major stock market crash, we saw a 50% correction in the Dow Jones. And within 18 months of that, gold and silver prices doubled in value. So it sort of brings you back to that idea of a hedge, right? If you have a portion in stock, a portion in precious metals, when one side gets hit, it's that same climate that should drive the other side up so that losses are mitigated. Mm -hmm. Outside of that, look at currency, right? You mentioned dollar bills. What do we have today? We have incredibly low interest rates. So you sit in cash, you don't really earn anything. Inflation's rising, right? Things are getting more expensive. Mm -hmm. So that ability to purchase starts to reduce. Inflation drives gold and silver up. Just as you mentioned guns earlier, right? They get more expensive over time. That's because of inflation. The same thing happens to gold and silver. So it protects your ability to buy. So I've noticed like in the past 10 years, precious metals haven't performed nearly as well as stocks. Why is that? And I know it's that stocks have a lot of risk. I was always told because my, my other uncle always invests in stocks and he's like, you just can't look at it. You got to like put the money in there and just basically walk away for a few years. Yeah. There's something to be, look, I, I was a, prior to being in commodities, I, I was a banker and I, I look, I'm a big fan. Well, let me answer your question first of all. The okay. last 10 years has been, well, we are now officially 
at the longest bull run in stock market history, right? And we've really been going through that over the last 10 years. Well, it sort of ties into the point that I made before, right? When stocks are in trouble, when we're in a negative climate, that's when safe havens tend to perform, which is why they did so well after the 08 crash. But of course, the flip side of that is is also clear. When you're in a climate where the markets, the stock market's going gangbusters, it tends to suppress safe haven assets and stocks outperformed precious metals for the last 10 years. And that's a point that I make all the time, right? It's never a case that one asset class can be just better than another. It depends on the climate, which is most conducive, and it depends on where value exists. And that's really where I see a benefit in precious metals today. We have some tough things on the horizon. Um, I could get into the stock market in terms of numbers and really sort of demonstrate quite the the bubble that's there. Um, precious metals are, are conducive for the impending climate. But for the last 10 years, stocks have been the place to be because they've been performing incredibly well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I mean, over time, it kind of balances it out. But in 2008, that's when I graduated college. And here I'm thinking, oh, I graduated in three years, double major. I'm going to have all these jobs lined up. And then there was nothing. And I was in New York City at the time. And I think that the bigger cities get hit first and then it kind of, you know, trickles down. But yeah, it was, it was just a disaster. And I know, I know a lot of people that obviously lost jobs, but they also lost a ton of money in the stock market. So, but it's, it's one of those things where if there isn't risk, like the higher the risk, obviously the more return you could possibly get. Whereas like, okay, you could put your money in a CD and there's absolutely no risk, but it's such a, you know, minimal amount that you're gaining. And really over time with the inflation, it pretty much just kind of levels itself out. Yeah. And actually that, that's certainly true in, 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 in most climates. I would argue that in today's climate, CDs even carry a little bit of risk only for this reason. We essentially have the lowest interest rates in history, right? That's what we used to combat 2008. The government just dropped interest rates to zero to try and stimulate into a mass debt. So today, if you sit in cash, I mean, a government treasury today, you get about one and a half percent. Well, the government's official inflation calculation today puts it at about 1.9, right? Close to 2%. So you sit in cash, and if the government are telling the truth about inflation numbers, you lose about half a percent of buying power. So there are losses there. The problem is this. Hold on to your chair. Occasionally, the government don't always tell the truth. And I think when it comes to inflation numbers in particular, there's there's a little bit of, of, of fiddling the books, if you will. So to, to elaborate a little bit on that, um, prior to the 1990s, when the government would calculate inflation, they used a much broader metric. They'd look at things like food and energy and healthcare costs, things that we spend our money on all the time. They took that stuff out of inflation calculations after the 90s. And there's an economist called John Williams who uses that pre-90s metric. And he says, look, today inflation's closer to 6%. So it does create a little bit of risk when you sit in cash in this climate because you're growing at, let's say, 1% or 2%, but things are getting 5 to 6% more expensive each year. So you're losing buying power. And that's 
you know, my, my biggest issue in this climate is that there's not a huge amount of options, right? You can jump into the market at all time highs at the end of the longest bull run in history or sit in cash and slowly erode buying power. That's why I think precious metals are so important for the climate that we're in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. All right. I'm going to take a quick break and talk about SB Tactical. So SB Tactical to date, I would say my favorite brace is the SBA3. And it's just, it has all these different adjustments. So you can adjust it accordingly to fit your body. It's super comfortable to shoe. And on top of that, you can have a barrel that can be a pistol barrel, a rifle barrel. So there's really, you know, you can't really go wrong with that. If you guys want to check them out, go to sb-tactical.com and use the code GUNFUNNY15 and that will get you 15% off. So Philip, what would you say are the pros and cons between gold and silver? Well, I mean, they're, they're both they're both really interesting, but they are different. And I think that's sort of where you're going with this. Look, I would say gold is the more defensive of the two, right? It's it's a monetary metal, so it works inversely with currency. Its value is in some respects static, right? Gold is not so much about aggressive growth, but more about wealth preservation, which is what we've been talking about. So I would say it's the more defensive of the two. Anyone who's really not too concerned with aggressive growth, but just preserving buying power, being stable, I think a gold-heavy account would be would be very suitable. Silver, for me, is very attractive in this climate. But for different reasons, right? It's more of an industrial metal. It's used heavily in industry, in smartphones, electric cars, solar technology, medical. So it's used heavily industrially. Hmm. The most interesting thing about silver today is its price. It's really undervalued relative to gold and other metals. And just to put some numbers to that, Throughout history, the, the the ratio between gold and silver has been about 16 to 1. So usually, gold is about 16 times the price of silver. It's about 86 to 1 today. So silver is heavily undervalued. Wow. Industrial demand is growing. We're consuming more and more and more of it. Supply is shrinking because we consume it more each year than we can mine. So it's a really, really interesting growth play. And anybody who says, look, I, I want to take that 50000 as you said, and try and grow it as aggressively as I can, maybe tipping towards silver between the two may be, may be the better option. So I have a question that might sound kind of stupid, but how do people know that they're getting pure gold or silver? It's, it's not. It's a, it's a really good question. Um, so let me talk about what we do again, and, and I'll answer that in more depth. So first of all, you've just got to do your due diligence, right? We're one of the biggest precious metals companies here in the United States. We have a long track record. Um, our documentation, so when we go through a cash transaction, as an example, our documentation will guarantee authenticity and everything else. Remember I said we have an IRA process as well, and I'd say we do both, but probably the bulk of our business is retirement account rollovers. We deal with IRAs. That works a little bit differently. Because an IRA is a tax-deferred vehicle, 
in order to maintain the tax efficiency, those assets have to be held within a fully licensed, fully insured depository. What I'm getting at is this. In that process, we use Brinks, right, the largest private holders of metals in the world. They're not affiliated with us. So when we work through a retirement account, we have to ship those assets into Brinks. They're fully insured by Lloyds of London. And Lloyds and Brinks require that those assets are tested. So essentially, they're put through a machine called a spectrometer, which determines the alloy content, right? So that will spot real gold or fake gold. Mm -hmm. The point I'm making is in the IRA process, you have a third party that's verifying authenticity in order to to, to maintain the insurance. So, Mm -hmm. you know, due diligence, but also the structure itself will protect investors. Okay, good. And then what are like good indicators that metal prices are about to go up or down? Do you kind of, is there any way to like sort of forecast that or? Look, forecast versus timing, I guess, is a different thing. Timing any market, right? Stock market or or bond market or metals market. It's a very difficult game. If it was easy, people would never lose money. Forecasting is a little bit different, right? That's saying, okay, where is the economy heading in, in broad terms? And like I said, Precious metals are uh, geared for times of decline, for times of correction. And I think it's becoming pretty apparent where this market is heading again. We can go back to the mid-1800s and say, regardless of president, right, good president or bad president, Republican or Democrat, regardless, the market has suffered cyclical correction. Mm -hmm. We've never run this long. So timing alone says, hey, we've got a crash on the cards. Many other indicators are suggesting the same thing, institutional money, right? So there, there are graphs out there that will track when the big guys, the banks, are selling out of the markets. They've been doing so in this climate in, in record quantities, which is another signal of recession. There's something called the inversion of the yield curve. It's, sort of, it's a technical concept. Uh, it happened last year. Well, guess what? It's inverted prior to every major correction. So the point is, these longer-term trends will signal where the broader economy is going. They seem to signal recession. And that, like I said, is a climate that this stuff really works in. And do you think that it's best to buy when there is a decline in a recession? Because I know, like with stocks, even though you don't want to buy a stock that's not doing well, you're also going to get a better rate. Listen, I think the old adage is you buy low and you sell high. And Uh that, for me, is the opportunity, actually, on both sides of the fence. And and to elaborate, gold and silver prices are low, right? So after the 2008 crash, prices just went ballistic, right? Gold and silver doubled in 18 months. And actually, silver went on close to triple. So by 2011, they hit their highs, and silver was at $48 an ounce, and gold was in the $1,900 range. Well, guess what? Today, silver is $18 an ounce approximately, and gold is in the $1,500 range. So there's an opportunity to buy them at a very low level in anticipation of of a crash or correction. The other side is this. Anybody sitting in the stock market is doing the reverse, right? By selling stock, look, 
One thing's pretty clear. The market is in a bubble today. Mm -hmm. And bubbles have really negative connotations because, as you alluded to earlier, most people just sort of sit passively. The bubble bursts, and then you've got to wait seven to ten years to come back. But the flip side is, is pretty clear. If you are conscious of a bubble, then you capitalize on it. And anybody selling stock today is selling it at all-time highs, right, and, and preempting a crash and cyclical correction. So I think there's opportunity on both sides of the fence on conversion. Mm -hmm. hmm, interesting. And then one last question. So depending on age groups, like at what age do you think that you should start, you know, investing or thinking about your retirement and what are the, cause I know like when you're younger, again, I'm going back to my finance class. When you're younger, you could take way more risk because, Hey, if things didn't work out and you lost money, you still have, you know, your, your lifetime to make up for that money because you're young, you can work as you get older. You obviously don't want to take as many risks because you are relying on that money, you know, for retirement. So can you kind of just give me an idea of like, just, you know, like age groups, like what somebody, you know, ideally should be doing? Listen, I, I've, got, I've got to be honest. The, the answer to that, I, I think, is as early as possible. Um, I speak to a lot of different customers every day, and sometimes they get blown away by, you know, some some kid who's in his late teens or early 20s and has managed to amass, you know, really impressive savings for somebody that age. And mm -hmm. at the end of the day, they, they sort of just taking a step ahead of everyone else. So I think the sooner you can get to it, the better, the, the better position you'll be in. Ultimately, we all have a dream to sort of retire and, you know, stop having to come into the office and, and do what we do. And I think that the sooner you start saving and planning for that, the better position you're going to be in and, and the sooner you'll be able to realize those dreams or that potential. So mm -hmm. the, there's no science to it, but I think as soon as possible is, 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 answer. Have you seen a decline in people putting money away for retirement? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it's tough and I think sort of the culture's changed, right? Mm -hmm. We're sort of a credit culture. We spend, spend, spend. We borrow, borrow, borrow. Mm -hmm. Whereas our parents and our parents' parents were all about saving sort of a generational thing. So yeah, I, th I think there's there's been a shift there. I think to some degree, every generation thinks that about the previous generation, but it seems to be more true today than it than it has been. But mm -hmm. Yeah, there, there seems to be a shift. Yeah, and things are getting tougher, right? We got tough times. Baby boomers were basically the luckiest generation in history, right? Economic yeah. uh, success almost constantly, lack of wars. These things are cyclical, and I think, like I said, we have we have tougher times ahead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I've noticed, I mean, even with my friends, like I'm in my 30s and we've talked about like, are you, you know, saving up for retirement? And some people have like a little bit of savings, nothing, you know, extreme, but it's not like Social Security is going to, I mean, that's, I, I don't even know why Social Security is still being taken out of, you know, people's paychecks because they're not going to be able to rely on that when they get older. But I don't, I don't see people planning ahead as much as they should or as much as like my mom taught my sister and I to do when we were younger. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree on Social Security as well. It's a, a ticking time bomb. The, the, the numbers don't stack up. I, mm -hmm. I don't see how it's sustainable. And and yeah, and, but I also think it's tougher. I mean, I... I well, the cost of living and stuff is also... Exactly. Yeah, it's also extreme. So 
it is, I think it's difficult to be able to save money in this economy. I do. I, I do for sure. And that's why I think moves like this, you know, this, we've all been trained to say, hey, this pattern of, even when you're younger, right, you know, you're in your 30s, you build up retirement, your, your stock market grows and grows and grows, you see this great growth in the balance of your account, then it crashes, right? Mm-hmm. And then you wait another 10 years to get back to where it was and then inch ahead. It's sort of two steps forward, one and a half steps back, two steps forward. The system, uh, this pattern of cyclical correction, I think, slows down the ability to move forward. And it sort of ties into what I said before. It doesn't really have to be that way. You know, anybody selling stock today, as an example, is banking gains over the last 10 years, right? Let me give you this example. If in 2008, before the crash, you'd sold your stock, right? You wouldn't have suffered that 50% drop and had to wait. Mm -hmm. If you looked at something like precious metals, that would have doubled in 18 months. Then if you'd bought back into the stock market at a low level, it would have doubled or tripled again. So there are ways to play it differently. The system likes to keep us passive, right? It says, well, just stay, ignore it. I mean, that's what you hear from financial advisors and everything else. Why? These guys are paid as long as you're sort of passive in the markets. But I think that what we have to realize is everybody to some degree is self-interested. Every bit of advice outside of your family and your friends, of course, is a little bit tainted. So you really have to look at things bigger picture, see what makes sense and try and make preemptive moves and preemptive decisions. And Mm -hmm. I think there is an opportunity to do that in this climate. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just going to let listeners know where they can find your website, which is birchgold.com forward slash gun funny. And that is B-I-R-C-H gold.com forward slash gun funny. But I would definitely recommend, you know, looking into it. I had you guys come on the show just because I, you know, like you guys are the largest in the industry. I know you're working with a lot of even like celebrities and stuff and you came well recommended. So that's why I wanted to have you on the show. And hopefully people aren't too mad that we didn't talk about guns. But again, I'm kind of being a mom about this and letting you guys know that, you know, you guys need to take care of yourselves and your family and and definitely plan accordingly. Do you um do you have anything else before? I know you can't stay for the entire show. Is there anything else that you want listeners like to follow you like on social media or anything like that? Look, I, I think uh, following the the link that you said, it'll provide them with a lot of information, and uh, you know from there they can access all types of information on us. Um, they can request an information kit from us, as I mentioned before. It's completely free. It'll give you you know, a lot of the basics, and then we're here and available to talk through uh, if anyone wants to learn more. But thanks for having us on. Your your show's fantastic. It's been a, a real pleasure to talk to. And uh, yeah, well, I hope thank you get to do it again. Thank you. And thank you for spending time with me. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. So now we're going to talk about Sportsman's Guide. So obviously, I, I was just like in Texas, and you would think Texas would be kind of warm, like here I am, Colorado, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to Texas, and it's going to be like, you know, maybe high 60s, low 70s. Uh, No, it was freezing. It was raining. It was, I think there was like a tornado warning. So it's it's pretty much like pretty cold, I would say, in most states across the U.S. now. So now would be the perfect time to, you know, Get your warm clothes, warm boots, and Sportsman's Guide has you covered for all of that. 
So don't waste your money on stuff that's not going to last. You definitely want to buy good quality for the same price. So check out sportsmansguide.com. Use the code GUNFUNNY20 and that gets you $20 off your purchase of $100 or more. Stupid, funny, cool, interesting, awesome, as... Never mind. AF. So just recently, ATF reclassified Fostech Origin 12 SBV as an NFA item. And this isn't the first time that they decided to reclassify something. So the SBV is a smooth bore shotgun uh, with a barrel shorter than 18 inches and a pistol brace, but had an overall length that allowed a a vertical foregrip. This was possible because the way that the laws were written, it's not short-barreled shotgun, it's not like an AOW, so it was not an NFA item. But now ATF is ruling that they are now SBSs or AOFs or AOWs, and they must either be destroyed or returned to FOSTEC for exchange for a non-NFA version, which is like so ridiculous. I hate when, I mean... Yeah, I just hate, like, even with the bump stocks, I hate that so many people just spent their money and on something and now they have to destroy it or at least this, in this case, you know, they can exchange it for something that's non-NFA, but it's pretty ridiculous. I mean, I think if they're going to change their mind like this, they should at least grandfather people into owning, owning one if they already do. So yeah, the ATF has definitely overreached their authority as an enforcement branch, And they've effectively rewritten the law, which they really don't have any authority to do because they should be written by Congress. So kind of interesting, but it's it's kind of screwed up. So just another reason not to trust your government agencies. So I don't know if you guys have checked out the aluminum wood AR grips. Uh, They fit on an MLOC handguard. They are panels and they're made of Brazilian cherry. They're on sale for $120. They look really cool. I've noticed that quite a few people are starting to make those wood panels. I think, in my opinion, Sharps Bros has the best. It's the best looking. And uh, so it's definitely kind of trending. If you want to go and check them out or buy yours, go to sharpsbros.com. Q&A. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours. All right. Today's question is in one sentence, how would you sum up the internet? And I don't know. That's like an interesting question. I don't think anyone's ever asked me that, but in one sentence, I mean, I would say that it's made life a hell of a lot easier. Even just recently, I was talking to a friend and I was telling them, I remember my mom always having maps in the car because, you know, like in order to get somewhere, you either had to take down really good directions from the person over the phone, which nothing for nothing, I would hate to be that person over the phone and had to repeat directions nonstop. And then, you know, if you got lost, you'd have to pull out the map, see exactly where you are, see what streets are nearby. And I could not even imagine doing that now, especially if you're going on a road trip, you know, you buy the map for that state or the entire country and you have to, you know, map it out. And then I remember when MapQuest came out and at that point it kind of made it a little bit easier because you could just print out the sheet 
And it kind of just told you exactly, you know, where to go, what exit to take. But even that was like kind of a pain, especially because you had to keep looking at the paper. And a lot of times, you know, it, it was wrong or the way that they described it, it just, it didn't make sense. So I would say if anything like the internet, just being able to look something up really quickly, I mean, it's made life a lot easier. On the flip side, I think it's also made life a little bit more difficult because let's say back in the day when you had to communicate with somebody or you had to have them sign documents, you would mail it. So you'd still have a few days and then you'd mail it back and that takes another few days. Whereas now everything's like instantaneous and it can definitely be stressful and you can, you know, your work can add up pretty quickly. All right, poll number 80. So I'm pretty sure they're coming out with something at SHOT Show. Again, this show comes out right after SHOT Show. And the following show, I'm going to be talking about everything that, you know, that I experienced at SHOT Show. But obviously, I pre-recorded, so I don't know. I know that they are supposed to get new slides, like the design of the slides is changing. And I've kind of gotten a sneak peek of that, and it looks awesome. But in the meantime head on over to polymer80.com, use the code GUNFUNNY, and that will get you 15% off. Tactic Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. So if you guys follow me on YouTube, you would know that I'm not the biggest fan of shotguns, especially when I went to the uh, the Dallas Safari Club show in Texas. Oh man, I was so out of my element. There was like shotguns being sold for, I think there was one that was like $500,000, which is insane. And then like on the low end, it'd be like 20,000, which I'm like, yeah, still could not justify that. Like I, you know, get bent out of shape if I have to pay more than like a thousand dollars for a gun. <laughs> but Savage, you know, the, the company Savage, they just jumped, jumped into the semi-auto shotgun market with their Renegade. And it's been in the works for years, apparently. What makes it so proprietary is it has dual regulating inline valve uh, gas system. So you can put like expensive ammo, crappy ammo, and it'll basically shoot whatever. It allows the ability to regulate the gas that cycles the shotgun's action, thus allowing everything from like low brass target shells to magnum loads to cycle with reliability without any adjustments, which is great because I know depending on, you know, what you're shooting, you have to adjust accordingly. And the shotguns come standard with vent ribbed melanite finish, fluted barrel, and a stock with an adjustable length of pull, comb height, drop, and cast, and I don't know exactly what MSRP is, but from just searching on the internet, it looks like they're going for about $1,500. So if you guys are into shotguns and, you know, you want to check that out, definitely do. So I'm pretty sure they released it in their first sale, but don't quote me on that. All right, so I have a nice announcement to make. Uh, Trigger Brew Coffee is one of our newest advertisers, and the owner, actually, his store is right up the street from where I do my training, and um, and I've, you know, I'm pretty good friends with all of the local gun stores nearby, and so I've known him for a few years, and I went in there, I don't know, maybe a few months ago, and he said that he was going to start another venture, which is selling coffee, beef jerky, and energy drinks. And he's like, here, check it out. Like, here's, you know, he gave me a bag of coffee. I don't grind my own, like, 
coffee beans. I haven't reached that point, which I got crap for, but I'm not like a complete coffee connoisseur. Like I know that the minute I wake up, I need to have it, but you know, I'm not like, I didn't, I wasn't grinding my own beans. So he gave me a bag already grinded and I made it. And like, honestly, even when it was brewing, it smelled so good. And I typically don't even really love the way that the coffee smells. Like I hate walking into Starbucks just because it smells like burnt coffee. So I was like really amazed by, you know, not only the smell, but it tasted great too. And then we got to talking and he's like, yeah, you know, if you want an additional advertiser. So I gladly took him on just because I really like his products. His beef jerky was amazing. So if you guys want to check out the coffee, go to triggerbrewed.com. That's triggeredbrew.com and use code gunfunny for 20% off. All right, now it's time for iTunes reviews. So guys, if you haven't left an iTunes review, please do so. I would greatly appreciate it. And uh, I mean, if nothing else, if you enjoy the show, you don't want to become a patron, just help me out and become and leave a review um, if you do enjoy the show and you want to do me a favor. All right. So first, first review is Annoying Mofo, five stars, butterscotch candy. As a young boy, I spent countless hours picking up the butterscotch wrappers off the floor of the local sale barn. These weren't the average brooch brand wrappers. Hopefully I pronounced that right. The Bratch brand wrappers. These wrappers had a small shiny strip of gold foil. I saved those wrappers, folded into a nice even stack of prime numbers. No two stacks had the same prime number. As a coming as a coming of age gesture, I traded those wrappers to the local madam to dry the drew, dry the dew from behind my ear. I don't even know what's going on right now. This is the same ear that I used weekly to listen to my favorite gun-related podcast, Gun Funny. <laughs> um, I yeah, I don't even get that. But thanks for the review. Second review is John Doe, five stars. Great way to start the week. Start Monday off right with a new episode of Gun Funny. Great entertaining guests on the show bring a wide variety of expertise from across the gun industry. And Ava always makes sure that we have a good laugh at the same time. All right. So because my guest isn't here to pick a winner, I'm just going to go with the second person because the first person, although I really appreciate you leaving a review, I don't even know what you're saying and nothing for nothing, but I don't really want you like representing my patch um, if you're going to act like that. <laughs> All right. Now it's time to wrap up. So you guys can find me at gunfunny.com. There's links to everything. I did recently post a uh, a YouTube video of my trip to Dallas Safari Club show. So if you guys want to check that out, otherwise there should be a bunch of stuff um, that I recorded from SHOT Show and, you know, links to everything, social media, where the, the podcast is. If you enjoy the show and you want to support it, consider becoming a Patreon. All of the Patreon money goes back into the show. It helps for me to afford an editor who is Kenny Ortega. It helps, you know, just even having the website, having, you know, there's all these like little bills and it just helps to keep the show going. And you can do that at patreon.com forward slash gunfunny. Also, Blown Deadline is giving away a $300 gift certificate to a lucky Patreon every month. So there's that little perk. And then I also wanted to thank the $25 Patreons. And that is Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran, 8888, Ryan Morrison, Michael Alexio, Elliot and Mike Pappas, 
Joe Lyons, Charger Arms, and Justin Paulson. King of the Patreons is still Jon Snow. He wants me to say that Operator Tickles does not own a stove, oven, or microwave because revenge is the dish best served cold. All right, that's pretty good. I admire that. And, uh, and once again, if you guys are interested in, you know, checking out Birch Gold, just go to birchgold.com forward slash gunfunny and, you know, just plan for your future. That's all I'm saying. All right, I'm out of here. Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.